Sooner Nation, Longhorn fans, welcome to episode 68 of the Boomer Bevo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma, and the University of Texas. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. It is week three. Kevin, I was ready to talk about UFOs in Mexico. I don't know if you've seen this, but they have proof that they put in front of the government. That was going to be my lead in. That got scratched when Adrian Peterson was announced as a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. I thought for sure we'd be able to discuss this, but no, 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 no. Lincoln freaking Riley has decided to infiltrate his puny little self into the lives of Sooner fans yet again. He can't help himself. It's a tick. It's oh, a God. anxiety. It's a disorder. Keep your mouth shut, Lincoln. I can't stand it. I am sick of it. You know what this What did he do now? What did he do? He did an interview with Graham Bensinger. Okay? And Graham okay. Bensinger. Graham Bensinger is a YouTuber who has done a thousands of interviews with high-profile sports figures. It's not unreasonable to do an interview. He's a head coach at a college football program in L.A. It's not like he, he's not allowed to do them. But to make some of the comments that he makes about OU fans and recruits and feeling threatened and his kids wanting to finish school, but then Oklahoma fans got a hold of their – of his children's cell phone numbers, and they were trying to break into his house. It's all rubbish. It's it's nothing. It's made up, Kevin. It's not even a real story. He The guy is a narcissist, and I'm sick of it. And I don't even really want to talk about it, except, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to talk about it. He's a narcissist. I can't stand the guy. If any of this stuff happened, you got paid. You got paid. Just get over it. You're in L.A. You don't have to worry about it anymore. According to him, he's in a $17 million mansion. His family is perfectly safe. Get over yourself. What does he hope to accomplish by even bringing this crap up? So do you think that it's possible that any of this happened? I mean, you guys guys take rejection pretty harshly. What, what, What do I think happened? What do I think happened? I think that the same stuff happens every time a coach leaves. Every time a coach leaves, the same stuff happens. Okay? But come on, dude. Like, he is turning... Yes, are we dramatic? Am I being dramatic right here? Absolutely I am. But he just keeps feeding fuel to the fire. If it's really that bad of a breakup, stop calling me. Stop it. Stop (laughs) texting me. Stop calling me. Don't slip into my DMs. I'm sick of it, dude. Like... It's like the girlfriend that just won't stop messing with you, and it's like, come on, if we re- if we really broke up, you wouldn't be messing with me, and that's what's so frustrating about it. And I feel like this happened last year at about this about the same time Oklahoma had momentum after beating Nebraska. He came out with an interview, and this is what happened in Oklahoma, and I'm so sorry it left that way, and I feel really bad. It's like so okay, you, you think that some- Lincoln Riley is tracking what you guys are doing? Absolutely, releasing yes. releasing interviews as a result. Yes. Well, maybe not Why? interviews as a result, but definitely dropping sound bites as a result. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yes. After the comments he made about SC being the mecca of college football and never being able to recruit at Oklahoma like he has to do it, and to see that Oklahoma gets the accolades, Oklahoma gets the recognition, Oklahoma is the brand. Oklahoma's better at recruiting. Absolutely, he does. He's a narcissist little prick, and I can't stand the guy. I cannot. Okay. Stand it. Oh my gosh. All right. Is that I don't know. You what, what are your it? thoughts on it? You're don't outside looking in. You're looking at a breakup from the outside. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's y'all that haven't gotten over it. Oh my god, get hey, you you asked. You asked, man. Dude, you know what? This is a child safe podcast. Okay. But you are so full of it. Right? I mean, oh, am I? I can't even stand it right now. You're saying, dude, he got on there and said, I didn't try to take any OU recruits. I didn't try to, I told everybody they should well, stay. In be fairness, a part of what I, I haven't there. watched the interview. 
Did you watch? Did you watch? Yes, yes. Oh, I haven't he thought, seen it, so. Dude, he he wanted his kids to finish his, the semester out at school, and he had these dreams of being able to stay and it be pleasant. Stop it! Stop it! You know you were leaving. <laughs> you know you're leaving Oklahoma. You knew it was going to be ugly. Don't even. Maybe y'all haven't. Me. Maybe y'all haven't gotten over each other. Maybe y'all need to get back together. I am over this dude, Kevin. This is what I'm telling you. No, I, you're not. I, yes, I you am. You might be. No, I'll tell you who I'm not over. I'm not over Caleb Williams. I'm not going to lie about that. Wow. That is the girl <laughs> I still wish. I still wish I was dating Caleb Williams, okay? Yeah. Fingernails and all. The guy won a Heisman. He is fantastic, and I wish he was in the Crimson and Cream, okay? So if any Sooner fans want to come at me, that's fine. I don't care. I wish we were still dating. Lincoln Riley, no freaking way. The dude's weird, man. He's a weirdo. I can't stand it. He's a weirdo. And that brisket picture that he posted a few years ago. What else what do you need to know? What was that about? Like, bro, what else you're do you posting need to know? this? It's, How are you posting this on the internet? It's animal abuse. I, I don't even understand it. And, oh, my God. You know what? This was what do y'all call up. him? Mule shoe? Is that what y'all call him? Uh, yeah, that's where he's from in Texas. I, that's a that's a nickname. I don't know. I don't really care about that. I just think he's a weirdo. And I, I do... Yes, I make fun of him, and we talk about him like he's an ex-coach. We also talk about Tom Herman, and we talk about Mac Brown, and we make comments all the time. That is going to continue to happen. Oh, I'm not obsessing about him. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not saying obsessing you. about him. I'm not saying you, but there's some fans out there that, you know. Um, maybe because he keeps poking the bear and throwing out little quips about how we were coming after his kids. It's not true. Well, I, I got to watch Oklahoma Sooner fans were not coming after his kids, Kevin. I'm just telling you that. It just wasn't happening. It, he's so full of crap. He might have got a few threats. Oh, my God. You don't think he would have got threats? He's a – listen. Threats. He, he's a public you know, figure. It's These the internet. Guys, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. It's the internet. People are going to make threats. It's the internet. He's a public figure. This crap happens. It shouldn't happen. I don't condone it. It's horrible. Whatever. But don't act like it's any different anywhere else. And don't just go throw Oklahoma under the bus after two years. He's literally negatively recruiting two years later. He is throwing shade at Oklahoma two years later. Well, and it's, it's I weak. I don't think it's going to affect recruits. Well, no, no one wants to go play Not USC. The Look at the stance. Look at the stance behind us in our brand new picture. For y'all, for y'all listening on the podcast, uh, Kevin does an amazing job on the YouTube. So if you ever want to check us out on YouTube. And he's just got us a new background with the uh, cotton bowl behind us, split half in burnt orange and half in um, crimson. It's amazing. It's so cool. Uh, USC didn't see that number of fans in all their games combined last year. So, no, it's not going to affect recruiting. <laughs> I'm not worried about it one bit. Are you kidding me? Well, it's not going to be. The only time they played in front of a lot of fans was when they went to Utah and got beat. That's the only time. He'll get quarterbacks and receivers. You know that much. No, oh, linemen, defensive linemen. Hmm. No, we'll see. About All right. That. I've already spent too much time on this guy. I can't even stand it. It's too much. Really, though, Adrian Peterson dancing with the stars. Is that? Come on, dude. Like, do you need? Yeah, to I'm curious that to see how he does. I'm curious to see how he does. You know, as a Texas fan, I've always liked Adrian Peterson. He's he's one of the greatest <laughs> running backs of all time. So, shout out to AD. <gasps> Although I'm still pissed about him running for 225 on us as a true freshman. He was by far the best player in college football that year and should have won the Heisman Trophy. Really, honestly, he should have been on the NFL roster. Oh, uh, he was really he good. no business playing college football. I love Adrian Peterson as a football player. I loved him. With, I loved, Of course, I loved him at OU. I loved when he came back and played against Boise State with a broken collarbone when he had no, yeah. had no reason for no to do reason. It. For no, no reason. reason at all. Nobody would have been mad at him, and the dude's out there because he just wants to play football. I mean, clearly, the guy's just – he's a freak. Dancing with the Stars, though, I, I kind of feel hey, like get, you're – I kind of feel like check, you – you really – yeah, like, did you not – he didn't make enough. He just didn't make – too many kids, too many yeah, bills. Man. I think he's got the child support still, and he needs a check. So, hey, it's a great opportunity if you need the money, man. <laughs> Go get it. Go get it, AD. I'm not mad at you. Um. See, look, we're not even going to be able to get to the Mexican UFO. Y'all check that out on your own. There's UFOs in Mexico, I guess. I don't know. Um, week three, slate of games. It does not match Alabama-Texas from last week. Um, no, nothing close. Nothing close. It, do- it doesn't match Colorado-Nebraska, A&M-Miami. Uh, those were, that was a good slate last week. Utah-Baylor. Uh, Utah um, uh, who else played? 
that we were what Texas Tech, Oregon. Those were good. Those were really, really good games. Yeah. Now, not to say enticing, that good enticing matchups for sure. Right. And not to say the game good games can't come from what we're going to talk about, but at least, you know, as we preview it, it's nothing that we're just dying to Yeah, we're get, going, we're looking to watch these games. No. That's correct. No. Uh early games, Penn State and Illinois. Illinois is a 14 and a half point favorite. Um I always Penn forget that is, right? I'm sorry, Penn State's a 14 and a half point favorite. I always forget Illinois is even in the Big 10. Yeah, they they can be in an obscurity a lot. They have these few years. Remember when they had Juice Williams and Richard Mendenhall? Yeah. That year and they made the Rose Bowl. So they'll pop up with years like that and then they'll just disappear and you forget they exist. Did, did Lovey Smith coached them for a handful yeah. of years. Yeah, which they was were a, no good at that all. Was a, that was odd. Yeah, um, but they got Bielema now. Yeah, he's different. But man, if he'll run the ball, he can. He maybe can keep the game close. Well, keep you it know inside who does that? Yeah. Man, they sent a lot of players to the NFL last year, believe it or not. So he got there. <laughs> they had a great secondary. They had a corner who went like what, in top five, top ten in the draft. Well, and that's what Not I'm sure, talking so. about, though. So, like, how do you have all these good players, but you don't even no, – number one, they're never competitive, and number two, you just don't even think about them. They don't even cross yeah. your mind. And this is – they're feeding off – I don't know where Chicago sits, but I, I can't far. imagine – I can't imagine that's a bad recruiting base. No, no, like they that. have good football players. Yeah. They have good football players. But. Uh, anyway, uh, Florida State uh, at Boston College, Florida State 26-point favorite. Um, here's an intri- interesting game, especially for Big 12 uh, SEC ramifications. Kansas State against Missouri, K State at Missouri, four and a half point favorite is K State. Um, K State needs to win this game. If if what they want to accomplish in terms of being a contender for the Big Twelve and even potentially a, a dark horse for the playoff, they've got to beat a not very good Missouri team. Correct. Even if it's on the road, yeah, you got to win that one. They got to win. Missouri it. has some players, right? They have players just because they recruit the Missouri area and they're good players that come out of the St. Louis area. Um, Oklahoma fan wants Missouri to lose every game and for Williams Veneri to decommit and flip to Oklahoma. So well, I'd imagine that recruitment is still open. The, 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 the door is not shut on that. LSU plays Mississippi State. Mississippi State is getting nine points at home. Uh, does LSU with their first Real game following uh, that tough loss to Florida State. Do they right the ship in, in the opening week of SEC play for them? Yeah, I mean, again, Mississippi State always has good players too, right? Just because down there in Mississippi, they have players who want to stay there, and they're always good on the defensive line, always. So we'll see, man. LSU should win that game. They honestly should. They've just got much better players all over the roster. But I think it'll be a good game. Um, South Carolina, Georgia, see if Spencer Rattler can repeat um, his performance against really good ranked teams at the end of the season last year. Probably not. Georgia, a 27.5 point favorite. He he was really good against North Carolina, too. 30 or 39 passing, despite having no room. And he made some of those great throws, but again, they, they couldn't protect for him all night. So. Loss was not on Spencer Rattler. Loss was not on Spencer Rattler. Right. No, absolutely. I no, I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. But uh, I, I don't know. It's Georgia, dude. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough sledding, man. Tough sledding. Uh, and Jordan and Georgia really hasn't even gotten going yet. We have not seen them at their best yet. They might not wake up until the SEC championship game. And I don't know yeah. that they even have. I mean, maybe when they play Tennessee. I mean, honestly, their schedule's just not. Very That'll good. at least get their attention. At least Tennessee will get their attention. Uh, Bama tries to recover against South Florida. I think they will. Um, Washington against Michigan State. Michigan State getting 16 points. Um, will they be playing for Mel Tucker, or will, is Mel Tucker, is his days done at Michigan State? Well, it certainly seems like they're numbered, right? He's suspended. I think they're looking for a way to try to fire him with cause. I don't know if they can or will. But it certainly seems like his days are numbered there in East Lansing. Well, he needs to, if, if the allegations are true, he needs to be fired. Absolutely. Um, Michigan State specifically as an institution cannot even come close to beginning to possibly even think about condoning or reprimanding Michigan State. No. You know, with yeah, everything that went on with yeah, everything went on with them and the and U.S. gymnastics. It's it just it, it. Michigan State needs to be above board. Um. 
So Mel Tucker probably is out. But this also brings up a question that I we talk about a lot with these coaches. You know, he has one good year and they give him a big old long extension. And yeah. now they have to think about whether they're going to fire him for this or not. And it's like, why are we giving Mel Tucker for winning eight games at Michigan State a big old long extension? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think these schools, they see a coach who's ascending, right? Remember, he was a defensive coordinator at Georgia. And he goes from that to being the head coach at Colorado, has a good season there. And then Michigan State hires him. And then he has a great season there. And they're like, wait, you know, we got to lock this guy up before he goes to whatever bigger job is open. So, yeah, they do it. But they give him too many years, right? Too many and that years. Entice them. If they, they want to pay him. These buyouts, though, man. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, I mean, if they want to pay the guy, pay him. That's not what I, I – this is – if. I get that it's an arms race and they're trying to secure stuff, but just in terms of why are we committing for so long when he doesn't have to commit for that long, right? He can leave whenever he wants. Whenever he wants. So yep. why does the school feel like they want to just layer in these 10-year contracts? It's almost a 10-year contract or at least an eight-year contract, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it just, I don't know, A&M, you see it. I mean, A&M's in kind of the same And that's boat. why they haven't fired him because they're trying to figure a way to fire him with costs so they don't have to pay that massive buyout. Um, Washington's really good. Uh, really we're going to talk. We're going to talk what they did to uh, Tulsa, who Oklahoma plays this week here in a minute. Michael Penix Jr. is playing for a Heisman spot down in. Uh, he'll be in New York, I think, if he keeps this pet rate up. I don't think I'd want any part of Michigan State. Uh, Tennessee plays Florida. Do you remember when this used to be the game? Tennessee, oh man, Florida. yeah, the nineteen nineties. Peyton oh. Manning, man, zero and four against the Gators. Oh, and boy, it took T. Martin to have to beat them. and uh, But I loved watching these games back in the 90s. I mean, this is this incredible players. Incredible players. Uh, Steve Spurrier was in the middle of coaching these guys. Philip Fulmer for Tennessee. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. Florida is uh, getting six and a half. I, I know it's at Florida, but I, I just we might pick that one. I'm going to put a star next to that one. I put a star next to the K-State game. Um. South Alabama OS against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is only a seven-point favorite. They still really haven't landed on a quarterback there. Uh, Georgia Tech at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, 19-point favorite. Uh, BYU, Big 12, another Big 12 SEC matchup. BYU is at Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. BYU um, did not look good in week one. Started out slow in week two against Southern Utah University, but really, you know, beat their brains in by the end of it. Can BYU bounce back against Arkansas or is Arkansas too talented for a BYU team? You know, I'm curious. I still haven't got a good feel for BYU yet, right? I mean, that first game, I I don't know what that was about. And then the second game too. So I I don't know, man. It's going to be a tough one for them going on the road, Fayetteville. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. It'll be a good barometer game. If they are who we think they are, Arkansas wins this game easily. That's what everybody Absolutely. thinks BYU is. If BYU can somehow win the game, it puts the Big 12 on notice um, that they've come to play. So, I mean, it's kind of that's what we're going to get out of this game. It should be a physical game. Uh, Pitt versus uh, WVU, uh, West Virginia. Is that the backyard brawl? That, is that the that's old exactly backyard what brawl? it is. It is. Dude, so who says rivalries are dying, man? They're bringing it back. I love it. Yeah, it's it's always fun, man. I always think about in 2007. I know you remember that, right? I mean, West Virginia, one game away from playing for the national championship and loses to an unranked pit. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, it was crazy. And then and then Oklahoma gets them in the Fiesta Bowl and West Virginia blows our doors off. Um, uh, That's only a one point. uh, Pittsburgh only favored by one. TCU at Houston. So we got the start of some big 12 games. Um, Houston's not any good, but I guess we're going to find out if TCU, I mean, they should just go ahead and beat them. It's going to, they should beat them. Yeah, yeah, they should. But you know, we'll know again, we'll know more about TCU. Um, uh, Iowa state against Ohio, Iowa state's only getting three. And then in the big noon game and Kevin, you just told me game day will actually be at Colorado state, Colorado, where Colorado is a 23 and a half point favorite. Coach Prime, man. Before I ask you if Colorado comes back down to earth this week, I got to tell you, I think it is weak that game day is following Big Noon kickoff around. I think it's weak because 
ESPN has put their money into the SEC. We are future SEC members. We are de facto SEC members, right? Let's just say it. We, I mean, y'all just went down and beat Bama. You, you, you're basically playing for the SEC championship right now, okay? We'll take it. Why are they not at Tennessee, Florida? Like, it doesn't even make sense to me. So, like, it, Fox gets it. Fox is at their schools that they cover, and they put the emphasis on that game. It makes no sense to me that game day wants to go to a Colorado State-Colorado game when you have a Tennessee-Florida matchup in the conference you just paid X millions of dollars to be a, to, to be the primary um, coverage person on. Does that make sense? Man, it's, it's, it does make sense what you're saying, but it's the coach prime factor, man. Is this too big of a buzz? It's the biggest story in college football. Texas I agree with Alabama, and, and Colorado is still the biggest story in college football. Listen to me, though. If Colorado – we talked about this in, in our last episode. If Colorado beats Colorado State, which we think they will, they will play Oregon next week. Okay, now you're talking about two ranked teams. Game day needs to be there. Like, to me, yeah. I, you, I can start to buy into that. Game day does not need to be at Colorado, Colorado State, when two big Colorado games – against Oregon and USC are on the horizon. It just doesn't make sense to me. It makes you wonder if the ratings are dictating this, right? Have so many people been interested in the Coach Prime thing that more people or just as many people are watching Fox's show than are watching College Game Day? Well, probably. I watched almost every snap of the Col- of the Colorado-Nebraska game. I mean, it was it was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's They're a must-watch team. It's a fun team to watch. Does Colorado come back to earth and lose to Colorado State? No. No. Do they no. cover it? This is a well-coached f- football team, man. Yes, I think they do. Yeah, it's a rivalry game. And they just – so far, they've seemed ready to play each game. So start against Nebraska, but I think that's because Nebraska had a really good defensive game plan. All right, dude. I had marked uh, Kansas State-Missouri as a game to pick. Tennessee-Florida as a game to pick. Um. Who else do you want to go with? Do you want to go with Colorado, Colorado State? Do you want to do um do you want to do Washington, Michigan State, BYU, Arkansas? What I'll let you pick the the, the remaining we'll game. BYU, Arkansas. All right, little B. Oh, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, in our first opponent against the future one. So it same same thing at K-State, Missouri. K-State is giving four and a half. Who do you have? I like K-State, man. I like K-State to go on the road. I think they're a well-coached team. We've seen what Chris Kleiman coached teams does. Um, you you guys have seen that. Directly OU fans have. And I like Will Howard, their, their quarterback. I like their defense. So, yeah, I'm going with K-State. I think K-State wins and covers. Um, Tennessee, Florida. I just think this line's not enough. I think Tennessee rolls them. You would think so. Uh, maybe they're concerned about something, maybe them playing on the road. I think it'll be a great – atmosphere down there in Gainesville but man I just did I just didn't like what I saw against Utah and again I know playing Utah on the road is different than playing at home yeah but, but Tennessee's loaded man Tennessee's really really good right now and I just I, I don't see a scenario where Florida's bouncing back and keeping this thing within a touchdown yeah and I don't see them being able to keep up with Tennessee's offense Joe Milton that downfield passing game I just don't see Florida being able to keep up man so I got Tennessee winning and covering um, and I did, I do too. Real quick on the Joe Milton thing. Uh, Joe Milton stepped in for um, Hooker. Everybody mm-hmm. was concerned about that. In that first game, you get the sense that they didn't lose anything. Uh, what a what a dramatic difference um, in the quarterback situations at Tennessee and Alabama, where Milrow yeah. looks completely out of place and looks like he's not played, and yet the kid from Tennessee against Virginia just looked like he stepped right on in and just. Didn't they didn't miss yeah. me? And in his defense, though, Milton had been around. Remember, he was at Michigan first, and okay. he did play a little bit there before he went to Tennessee. So he was already a fourth year player last year, stepping in, who had played again at Michigan. Okay, that's the Milro. Real quick before we go on, on Milro, are you are you out on him? Because I'm not. Mm, I'm not on him if that's the game plan they continue to use for him. Okay. Yeah, um, I think they do need to take advantage of his legs more. I think they need, yeah. I, I like the kid though, man. He just well, I like his athleticism. That Texas defense, man, it just. But we said this in the preview. We said it in the recap. I I think your problem is Tommy Reese. 
I, yeah. I'm not. I mean, that, that it's not like Reese ever developed a quarterback at, at Notre Dame where you were like, man, what if this guy really develops quarterbacks? I mean, he he could have had the same quarterback at Notre Dame, and you would not be thinking that. I think a lot of what you're, a lot of this potential you're seeing is clothed in um, Crimson Tide Crimson, right? So I'm not, I, I think he's super athletic, uh, clearly has a cannon, but accuracy is a problem. Mechanics are a problem. Decision making is a problem. Reading the field's a problem. There's a yeah. lot of areas for improvement for Mill Road to, to be yeah. at an Alabama level uh, of play. And so, yeah. and he's certainly not Reed, ready. He's not ready to be the quarterback at Alabama now. I think he's going to be good, though, if they give him a chance. I just don't know if they will because it's Alabama, right? And But I don't know if these other guys surely cannot be better options. The kid from the tra- Tyler Buckner who transferred from Notre Dame, right? The Ty Simpson yeah. kid who's a true freshman. We'll see what happens. I'm curious to see their quarterback situation when they play South Florida on Saturday. Uh, BYU, Arkansas. Um Golly, this one is tough for me. Arkansas is favored by eight and a half. I think it's a lot of points. I'm going to do BYU cover loses, but covers BYU loses, but covers. Okay. I've got Arkansas winning and covering. Yeah. I like AJ Jefferson. He's been their starting quarterback forever, man. God, he's been there a long time. I like the kid. So um, I think he'll make some plays running the ball too. And I think they win a cover. It's a late cover, but I think they do cover. Um, obligatory uh, Aaron Rodgers mention. Thoughts on the Jets losing Rodgers um, four plays into the season? Well, man, it's so interesting, right? Because the buildup for that game, the atmosphere before kickoff, you know, when they had the national anthem and the Jets run out, he's running out holding the flag. I mean, it felt like, the Red River shootout. It was a college-like atmosphere in that stadium. It was electric. I mean, then Buffalo gets the ball. They, they go three and out. They get the ball. In four plays, he gets hurt. Man, I've never seen something go from that high to that low so quickly in a football game. Man, so it, it, it's sad for him, sad for Jets fans. It's really sad for the NFL because it was going to be fun to watch them. Do you think um... – what you've read, I mean, I know you're not a, a medical expert, but just for sake of conversation, do you think the turf had as big an impact as the NFLPA is making it out to be? You know, uh, I don't know. And, I know and, and my, well, real quick, and my follow-up is, I also asked that with the fact that Texas plays on turf. Like, have okay. y'all ever noticed that no, down at DKR? That's a good question. You know, on Texas turf, I have not noticed a lot of non-contact injuries. I think that this one, again, I'm I'm not a doctor. This appeared to be a, just a freak injury to where he was twisting and then he just kind of had all the weight on the front of his foot trying to push himself up. And it was just all his weight was just right on that spot. So I think it's more of a freak injury. With that being said, though, there have been some pretty bad injuries there on that field in that particular stadium. I mean, Victor Cruz ended his career yeah. on a non-contact thing. Odell Beckham tore his ACL on that same turf too, and, and really has altered his career. So there may be something to it, especially with that particular one. I got to say with NFL teams making as much money as the NFL makes, if they all agree that grass is better, then they just need to put grass in the stadiums. Correct. Okay. You know, you I, I love soccer, right? I'm yeah. watching these games that are in England, right? And England geographically is right on the same path as New York is, right? Yeah. Maybe even a little bit further north. And no, it's, quite a, it's actually, it, believe it or not, it's quite a bit further north. Quite a bit okay. further north. Yeah. Okay. And I'm watching the Premier League, and they, their grass is perfect all season long. And it's a winter sport. So why can't New York and any team in the NFL have a grass field, unless you're in an indoor stadium that doesn't have one of those retractable things like they do in, in Arizona? But, yeah, every outdoor stadium, in my opinion, should have a grass field, including Texas, and I hope they switch back soon. Yeah. it. Uh, you know, there was the dark ages when college football and pro football was on the old school AstroTurf. And yeah. that that when we were kids, like as kids, we knew that was dangerous to look. I mean, did you ever play a high school game on AstroTurf? Man, yes. <laughs> we played against Katie. And they had uh, they had an AstroTurf field. We practiced at Alamo Stadium. Remember Alamo Stadium? Oh, downtown? I remember. Yep, yep. Yeah, because they had the AstroTurf there. But other than that, it was just uh, everywhere it was grass. 
Yeah. And I think that's how it should be. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, if you've suffered a loss like the Jets have to your home or business, whether it's a fire or wind damage, tornado, theft, vandalism, and you filed an insurance claim, please call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Brown O'Haver is public insurance adjusters. They work for the insured, not the insurance company. Um, we routinely get our clients 30 to 40% more than they get on their own. And uh, we do a pretty good job. And in the case of the Jets, it is a catastrophic loss. And catastrophic losses have a bigger impact than just the monetary. So in terms of resuming your life, rebuilding your house, getting back to normal, getting kids back to normal, it can be a lot. Call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Let us help you get back to life quicker. Kevin, Oklahoma goes on the road, albeit in-state, in only about an hour and 45 minutes up the turnpike, to play Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa's coached by Kevin Wilson, offensive coordinator Steve Spurrier Jr., all in um, for, with former Oklahoma ties. Kevin Wilson, of course, the offensive coordinator in 2008 when we set an NCAA, rec NCAA record for six games in a row over 60 points. He went on to Indiana, head coach at Indiana, and then offensive coordinator at Ohio State. So the guy knows how to run a program. He knows what he's doing. Tulsa does not have the horses, though. I think I think this will be a another good warm-up game to get us ready for the Big 12. But I do not think this is as big a test as last week against SMU. Oh, I completely agree. And going on the road is one thing. But when you go on the road where it's a short drive right up the road, I mean – you're going to have as many fans. You're going to have more fans there than yeah. they do, right? So it, it's more of a neutral side game than a, than a true than a true road game. And like you said, man, the talent for Tulsa just is not there. Um, I think we're going to be able to maybe get a little comparison, though, on what a good quarterback looks like uh, and what a great quarterback looks like. I'm hoping that the gap is not as big. Um, but what I'm referring to is the fact that Tulsa played Washington last week. Michael Penix Jr., a guy you've been high on since last year, I'm definitely on that bandwagon as of this year. He went up uh, or he uh, he hosted Tulsa and threw for 454 passing yards, right? So yeah. clearly they're susceptible to the pass. Does this give DG an opportunity, Dylan Gabriel, to get back on kind of some rhythm going into Big 12 play? I hope so. I hope they open up the playbook a little bit. Um, I was on the radio this morning with Toby Rowland. Uh, please check out Voice those, of the Sooners. Voice of the Sooners. Please check out those uh, uh, episodes, if you didn't hear them, on the Podomatic page for KREF. Uh, those were all there. And in, in any case, we talked about this whole idea of like a vanilla game plan, which I know Texas talked a lot about that coming out of Rice. I just – I don't buy it. I don't buy these vanilla – Yes, they can be vanilla, but when you're playing teams that aren't as good, you should be able to execute at a high level regardless of what you're running. Again, that's the issue with me. If it's a vanilla game plan, fine, but execute it. Yeah. Execute the vanilla game plan. That, that's I don't have a problem with them not showing a lot because you have such an inferior opponent. But make it happen. Execute the yeah. plays that are called. Just because we're playing Tulsa doesn't mean we can't run a go route and throw it to Andrell Anthony who should be the fastest player on the field on Saturday, and complete the play. That doesn't make it – that's not vanilla to run a go route and throw it to your fastest player. No. That's, that's a play. Like, you run it. Yes. Yes. We're not showing – we're not giving anything away. <laughs> exactly. The, I'm not letting Cincinnati know that, oh, hey, by the way, we have Andrew Anthony, and he's really fast, and when he gets behind you, we throw it. Like, so just execute it. Run it. Let's open up the playbook a little bit, and let's let this offense get some rhythm. I think the defense has another opportunity to get rhythm. Uh, they're going up against a quarterback who did not have a good game against Washington, was pulled or pulled early. Whether he was pulled because of the score performance, I'm not 100% sure. But he was pulled early. Uh, we got to work on getting our pass rush. Still, if there's any deficiency on defense, it's the pass rush. Um, but other than that, I think this game is going to be a, just a tune-up for Big 12 play. Exactly. It's just another way to go and, and see how you can execute 
get some young guys in the game still, right? Getting them acclimated, guys like Peyton Bowen, get them hit a lot of playing time. Also, I want to see if I'm an OU fan, I want to see more of Jackson Arnold running the yeah. offense. And not just not not just in fourth and short, too, right? Correct. Now that that's I think that's a big aspect that he can help in those situations because eventually he's gonna fake it and, and throw the ball downfield on that situation. You know, he's gonna come in at fake like he's gonna run and throw it over the top. But yeah, I want to see him come in and run the offense when the game still matters, right? We talked about that during the first game. You got a chance to see that, and he looked really good doing it. So if I'm an OU fan, yeah, more Jackson Arnold, please. Um, I don't love the Jack. I don't love that setup when there's not a running back in the backfield. Oh, the empty set. I don't like the empty set. He's not big enough to have an empty set and just run up there. I think he needs a lead blocker. I think that's what's okay. I think that's what kept us from picking up that first down against uh, SMU. And I just have never loved that when they don't line up anybody to help him out. And there's you remove any doubt that there could be a handoff. You know, it just yeah. at least if somebody's back there and you run a little uh, play action with them before you before you follow them through the hole, at least it gives them a little pause. Am, am I nitpicking there on a, on a formation? I think you might be because there's a lot of things you can do, and I think it drives defensive coordinators and defensive players. It drives them crazy when they come out in an empty set, especially with a mobile quarterback, because the quarterback draw is always there. And then you have to account for all of the receivers. So there's only it's a small box. So it's always going to be a one on one blocking situation. So with an athletic quarterback, you one move away, one missed tackle away from breaking off a really long run. I know that was a big concern for me facing Jalen Milrow. Now, I know Jackson Arnold is not Jalen Milrow as far as being a dynamic athlete, but he is still a very good athlete who can break a long run. Well, guys, I don't know if y'all just heard that, but that is some dynamic breakdown. I, I like that, what you just described. I didn't think of it that way. I, it just visually to me looks like we're putting ourselves at a disadvantage, but what you're saying actually makes a lot of sense. So I'm willing to concede the point. Thank you. Um, lastly, b- before we move on to Texas, I think the only other question is, will it continue to be the Tawi Walker show at running back? Are we going to see Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk get any run before conference play? Are we well, saving those guys? Are they in the doghouse? Or do we just love Tawi Walker? I think Marcus Major is who we think he is in terms of getting, you know, 10 to 12 touches a game. I don't know that he's going to get more than that, regardless of who else gets it. I yeah. think it's does they take away from Walker or are they just running with these two? Well, I the coaches must think that he's the best option, right? I just don't know coaches who say, oh, this guy's my best option, but I'm not going to play him because we're saving him for something else. I think he he probably performs the best in practice. I think he's probably just the most consistent one all around. Now, Sachuk, he's coming off an injury, and hasn't he been banged up? He's just kind of now getting back healthy. I guess so. I mean, that's what that's what you hear, but you also hear that he's cleared to play. I mean, yeah. BB, BB said that he – he was cleared to play against SMU, and did he get a carry? Maybe a carry? I think he got one. I think he maybe got one carry. And Barnes, I don't know what to make of Javante Barnes so far this season, right? I mean, he he's looked okay, but, I mean, when he is in there, he's not popping off runs or running over people to the fact to where we look at him and say, oh, he should definitely be the starting running back. I think we assumed he would be, but so far, I don't see anybody who's looked better than Walker. Um, Walker has that very consistent feel of an Oklahoma running back. He's, he's starting to get that, that, that feel that you had with Eric Gray after three games, four games where you're like, okay, this guy, this guy's actually pretty good. Like he's pretty solid. This Kennedy Brooks guy, pretty good, pretty solid. There might be somebody flashier behind him, but you can just count on him to play really well. That's kind of where that's the sweet spot. Tawi Walker's kind of starting to find himself in. However, they are feeding him the ball, and he's able to get into a rhythm. And I think that's important for a running back. They're not feeding Barnes the ball. Like, he yeah. doesn't get to get into any kind of rhythm. Yeah. When he's getting three carries a game, no receptions, it's just yeah. – it's really hard to get into a rhythm. However, to your point, when he does get tackled, he goes down. Like, he he has not broken a tackle, I think, in two games. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, right? And I think, you know, you fans, you guys are used to having dynamic running backs, just like with quarterbacks. Right, you guys had Rodney Anderson a few years ago, right? And Kennedy Brooks, while he wasn't 
a wild guy. He really he was so effective. Oh, he was good. Man. God, he, he was, was really just good. Really effective. Just so consistent. So consistent. So you don't have that yet. So I'm curious to see if somebody can separate. And right now, it looks like Walker. It'll never look sexy, right? With him, there's nothing he's gonna do to to look like Rodney Anderson running the ball or Demarco Murray running the ball, right? But as long as he's effective, if he can get the job done, put him out there. Keep giving the ball. Now, he had um, just real quick on Kennedy Brooks. He had a year of eligibility left, didn't he? I believe he did, but yeah, but he had already. I think he had already done four. But because yeah, of the COVID year, I think he had a year of eligibility. But regardless, he didn't yeah. make a team. I don't think he's on a roster right now, is he? Uh, not that I know of. Not that I'm aware yeah. of. I just Googled it up real quick, and I don't see him on okay. a roster. So, I don't know. I, I just think this I think this game is exactly the kind of game you want prior to Big 12 play. We should be able to clean up things offensively that we experienced against SMU, continue to tune up on defense, get a lot of players in, continuing to build the depth. Um, Oklahoma is, let's go ahead and pick this game. Oklahoma is a 27 and a half point favorite. Um, that's a lot of points. That is a lot that of is. points. However, Oklahoma's covered the last two. I've got OU to cover. I've got OU to cover as well. Um, I think the defense has been good. Uh, no one's been able to move the ball consistently so far. Um, SMU did some decent things, but a lot of their misdirection and reverses and stuff, um, the OU defense was very disciplined in covering those. So I think that's the making of a of a good defense, especially compared to last year. We had a lot of guys overrunning things and being out of position. And I think that's really the only way that Tulsa can make plays is by doing things like that. So I got OU winning and covering. All right. The University of Texas gets to take on Wyoming in DKR. The reception following that uh, historic win against Alabama is going to be electric. Uh, is it a night game? It is a night game. It's oh, a 6 lucky, p.m. pickoff. You lucky dogs. That stadium will be rocking. Um, I can't imagine a scenario you lose to Wyoming, but they did beat Texas Tech. Uh, what do we know about Wyoming, and is will there be any letdown following the Bama game? Yeah, they're they're a really tough, gritty team, right? I don't know if you were able to watch that if you stayed up late. It was definitely some Pac-12 after dark type action with uh, Wyoming and Texas Tech. It was a game to where you can look and you can see clearly that they were completely overmatched athletically by Texas Tech. You watch them run around. Their receivers look slow. The quarterback looks slow. The running back looks slow compared to the uh, Texas Tech defense. But, man, that is a team that fights and fights and fights, and they just fought to the end and were able to steal a game at home against Texas Tech. Now, I don't see any scenario where that could happen with them in Austin, right? I think Texas has too many good players. They're going to have the crowd on their side. You also have to deal with that elevation up there, the 7,000 feet above sea level in Laramie, Wyoming. I didn't so, realize that. Is it that high up? Yeah, it, it's really high, man. It's really high. Who was the um, who was the NFL player that wasn't that was never allowed to play in um, Denver? The the guy from I think he was from Pittsburgh. Man, that doesn't sound familiar to me. Um, go ahead, keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay, so their quarterback, he's a really tough guy. I was really impressed with him. He was taking some big shots against Texas Tech and just kept fighting and kept fighting. And again, they were able to get the win. Same with their running backs. They're just a tough, gritty team, right? So they'll, it'll be hard, I think, for Texas to really blow them out. I don't think it'll be one of those games where Texas wins by 40 or something like that. But I do think they win. I think they win comfortably. What I'm looking to see is can they build on what they did against Alabama, right? You go to Tuscaloosa, you and like you said, in historic fashion, you beat Alabama. You kind of beat them down, right? Come back and just – Keep going forward with it, right? Come out aggressive early, get stops on defense, make big plays on offense, run the ball well, no mistakes, get the job done and get out of there and just continue to build on what happened last week. So I think this comes down to a mindset game for Texas, right? Are you going to be mentally ready to go out and keep building on what you did last week? Yeah, this is one of those this is a this is a validation game, right? This is if if you can come out in this game and win. 
56 to 10, you validate the Alabama win. I mean, you don't necessarily have to validate a Bama win. That kind of validates itself. But it's still, it just, it reinforces what everybody saw last week. Correct. You come out, you come out and win 35-20, and you're like, yeah, like okay, guys. what did we see in Bama? You know, what happened there? What's the difference? This is Wyoming. You were at home. It, it's just that the vibe that can come off of, of a game like that. You know, maybe it's never even in doubt, really, either. You know, it could even be 35, you know, 14 late in the court, you know, but just that you yeah. want to just go curve. You don't style. want another a rice type performance, right? Like we talked about, where, you know, the, the game was never in doubt or in question, but it just looked a little sluggish, right? It, the intensity didn't seem to be there. The focus didn't seem to be there. Can't have that this week. Go out and handle your business and just put these guys down early, get it over with. Uh, real quick, if it's so hard, to play at altitude, okay? And this goes for, like, the Denver teams, too, what I'm about to ask. How come those teams aren't more dominant when they come down to lower altitudes? Like, shouldn't they be, like, superhuman? Because when they actually get to play at a lower altitude, they're imbibing so much more oxygen. Like, shouldn't they just be, like, the best athletes in our country because of where they train? I don't think that affects athleticism. I think it has more of a negative effect on other players when you go up there. Have you been up there in Colorado or why? No, no, you no. You there? have. I know you have. Listen, you got family up there. Yeah, I you know, I lived there for 10 years. When the first time I went up there, I was just sitting there doing nothing and I just felt winded. Just I felt myself almost gasping for air. I'm like, what the heck? It never happened to me before in my life. Yes, because the elevation up there, the air is so thin. It takes you a while to adjust to it. I can imagine coming up there and playing a, okay okay but when, you, but when you when you like went back to san antonio didn't you like feel better though no you'd be like no it no. didn't matter that no, it's it, just, I, it I, doesn't I, reciprocate okay no at least not to me i mean again i'm not a high level athlete but uh it no. was ryan clark by the way for the pittsburgh steelers he wouldn't play in denver because of the altitude i guess he had some did he have a medical okay i think so yeah had some kind okay. of medical condition i remember him talking about that not wanting to play at altitude um uh, quinn ewers we saw the best version of Quinn we've probably seen in two years, right? In his two years or year, you know, year and two games. Uh, this is again, another validation for Quinn. Does he just come out and execute or do we see the rise Quinn yours? You know, that is a great question. It's a fair question too, right? Because we just haven't seen him be consistent throughout his young career. I think he will. I think he learned some things and I think, you know, you build a relationship with a coach, I think, over the years, right? And sometimes it just takes you a while to just figure out what that coach wants from you. And I think mechanically, that was the biggest difference I saw in Quinn, right? He's always cool, calm, and collected, right? But his mechanics were good. He just was patient in the pocket. He wasn't drifting off his back foot trying to make throws. He stood there, was able to step into some throws, and really let it rip. I think as long as he keeps doing that, I think he'll be fine. The thing about Quinn is he doesn't turn the ball over a lot, right? I think he's got 185 passes since he's thrown a pick, right? So, so far this season, he hasn't made one throw that was interception worthy, at least per pro football focus. Um, I think it's with his mechanics with him. I got to tell you, I know we're overlooking a lot of games here. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves maybe even more so with Oklahoma, but if we can get to Red River, right, uh-huh. dare I say, undefeated, both teams games, undefeated. Uh-huh. it will be the biggest OU-Texas game since 08. I agree, yeah. And when we sit here and talk about Quinn Ewers, you know, I, again, I was we were both on the radio in the 8 o'clock hour talking about um, how good your – that the good on good matchup for that game is going to be your receivers and tight ends against our secondary. To me, that is like a heavyweight matchup because the more I see of our secondary, the better I feel week after week. Um, I, I loved them going into the season. I still love them. Uh, Woody Washington is, I think he's a legit NFL corner. I love we we both love Billy Bowman, Pearson, uh, whoever we throw at the other corner is probably going to be our biggest liability. But then you throw Peyton Bowen, and hopefully get McCullough back. I'm telling you, I love our secondary. 
I know you love your receivers. Um, that's the matchup. I know you said you wanted to come at Woody. I don't think you want to come at Woody, but I, I just love that matchup. Yeah, it, it should be it's an exciting matchup for sure. For sure. You know, it's there's so many layers to this game that have nothing to do with what happens on the field, right? The atmosphere, the shifts in momentum that happen every year, right? It's insane. You and I have been there. You've been there way more than I have, but you just know how from one play, you feel like, oh, yeah, we're about to run away with this game. And then two plays later, you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, you just – it's such a unique environment, right? I would but, love to see how – go ahead. Well, I just – part of that, though, part of those momentums changes in the last – I don't count last year's game. I mean, y'all can count – we can count it as a loss. But in terms of the momentum shifts, I think of 20 Yeah, last year really wasn't there. Yeah. I think of 21. 21, 20, 18 with the momentum shift, yeah. 17, uh, even six. I mean, all those games. Had all some, of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were great. Really been momen- since 13 on, besides but, last year. But a lot of those momentum shifts are a result of plain old busts in the secondary by Oklahoma, right? Not yeah. sound defense, allowing you guys to either take the lid off or break tackles or whatever the case. I just think of it from our perspective. I know you, you've got your own issues on your side, but yeah. on an Oklahoma perspective, it's like so many of those momentum shifts over the years have been Texas receivers running wide open. Now, the concern is this is a great bunch of receivers, so it's even more amped up. But again, I just think we're more solid back there, and yeah. I feel like the potential for busts is not nearly as high as it has been over the last, to your point, 10 years. Yeah, we'll we'll have to beat these guys. So it won't be, hey, a scheme and get guys wide open. We're going to have to go out and win a one-on-one matchup, which I will say I, I do feel confident in our receivers to win one-on-one matchups against almost any secondary in college football. Um, if Quinn has time to throw. So well, I'm curious to see, because one thing about Venables is he can show you some looks that can really confuse a quarterback. I think the SMU coach said they threw like 10 different looks at Preston Stone throughout the game that I don't think they had seen on film. Well, and you're start and you got to keep in mind Stutzman is in year 3, year 2 under under BV, uh, Billy Bowman is in year 2 under Brent Venables. So um you've got kind of veteran leadership at key For positions. Sure. And so you can you can open that playbook up a lot more. We're starting to see that, mm-hmm. um, and you can see him reacting uh, to the play and not having to think as much. He still kind of thought of Stuntsman as a little bit in thinking mode last year. You know, you knew the talent was there, but it just it wasn't like read react. It was more read recognize and react. You know, and it had that extra step in it. Uh, I am. I I do think it's going to be a really good uh, chess match with Sarkeesian and Venables, yeah. and that's what excites me. Uh, on the other hand, a matchup I'm not looking forward to is our offensive line against your defensive line. That I've I've already been keep kept up at night watching that Alabama game and seeing what y'all did and how you held them in check rushing, held a mobile quarterback in check, um, and then sacks, especially zero you know, uh, Hill Junior. Um, it just, I, I, I stressed about that one. Now here's the thing though. Now I know Bama has better talent on the offensive line than Oklahoma does, but you guys have way more experience, right? Your guys are experienced. They, they have some young guys out there. They had a true freshman playing at left tackle and they had, I think a sophomore playing on the right-hand side at right tackle. Right. So I think you guys are more experienced than, so I think you guys actually have a, provide a better matchup at least on the tackles against Texas than even Alabama did. Well, that's, that's positive. And I also will say we have Bill Beatingbow. Like he's the best offensive line coach in the country. In my opinion, I mean, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinions, look at the dudes he's put in the league. The offensive lines tend to only get better. They, they rarely, um, they rarely, uh, what's the right word? Downgrade isn't the right word, but they, they tend to always be ascending in their performance level throughout the year. So I do feel like he'll get them in a position to play. Um, but this is a better defensive line than you guys have had in a very long time. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, it's a be- no, you're, you're not wrong at all. The defensive line is spectacular. And we knew before the season that was going to be the strength of this Texas team. Defensive line 
and the um, wide receivers. And so far, it's proven true. So, man, I hope they keep it up. What I love about this Texas D-line is the depth. Because we were rotating guys all game against Alabama, and there seemed to be very little, if any, drop-off from the second and even some 13 guys who were playing. That's what I was the most impressed with. So I'm excited to see how far we can go. That's the biggest factor to our team this year, obviously, besides Quinn. But that's the most consistent thing. And that defensive line will travel and play well no matter where they're at. Um. I know that was a lot of OU Texas talk, and I know well, this we're is early what we're here. Season. This is why people I know we're early in the season, but I, I no. can't. I I got to tell you, dude, I'm skipping ahead. Maybe it's wrong. I get it. I don't want to, but I'm not playing or coaching, so I can. We can skip ahead as much as we want. Yeah, exactly. I, listen, this is a Boomer Bebo podcast. That's why I, we're here. And if you're listening to this, or if you're watching this on YouTube, that's why you're here because of this rivalry. So it's never too early to talk about the Red River Shootout. And again, right? We could both have two two losses by the time it rolls around. It's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's still going to be a big game, man. And I mean, and yeah, look, the matchup it, it looks it's going to be fun. It's good. I mean, what what's the is there an early line out? I, I, last time I saw, I think it was Texas favored by seven. That that's too many points. I think I, y'all definitely should be favored. And this is before the season started. I don't know if, if there's been any sort of um, update. On that, you want to pull it up? Yeah, I'm just seeing if there's a line here. <sighs> I don't know. Let's see. I got odds. I think one one concern for OU in that matchup is DraftKings. Yeah, yeah DraftKings has it at seven. DraftKings has it at seven. Okay. Texas. Yeah. One concern that I would have for OU if I was an OU fan is you've mentioned so far after both games that. There hasn't been a lot of success rushing the passer. And statistics, if that's the case, statistics back that up. Yeah. Okay. If that's the case, if you give point in time, I don't care how good your secondary is, the receivers eventually are going to get open, right? No. That that, that would be the concern for me. I, I think I like our defense. I think – I mean, that's an understatement. I love where our defense is at right now. However – I don't think we're so well. We're not. We're not good enough along the defensive line to not have to get really creative with blitz packages. Yeah, and so it helps that we have a really good secondary, and it helps that we have players that can play multiple positions: Bowen, McCullough, Pearson, Harrington. I, I even forgot Harrington. I think you count him in the secondary, right? So you've got all these players that can go real multiple because that I think. If we're holding anything back, if we're doing anything vanilla, I think it's scheming up pressure from other positions on the field than just the defensive line. Yeah, I would like and corners. Yeah, I would like against Arkansas State and SMU and this week against Tulsa for our front four uh, with the occasional linebacker to get some pressure on the quarterback. That would be nice to see just to line up to do it. But by the time we have to play at Texas, I think that it's going to have to – the real true disruption is going to come from those off um, those off positions. You know, the, the cheetah, some strong yeah, safety. Some exotic blitzes. Some exotic. You know, and Venables knows how yeah. to do that. If anybody can of dial course. that up, Venables yeah. is the guy to dial it up. And so maybe we're holding that back. Maybe we're trying to just execute a – it goes back to a vanilla game plan and we're not doing it because our front four just isn't getting the pressure it needs to get right now. Hopefully that changes against Tulsa. Uh, Kevin, we are 58 minutes into this. Um, we could talk about this game all day, so I'm gonna leave, well, I'm gonna leave it because we've got a number of shows to get back. Our next episode will be episode 69, where we break down. Real quick, I don't mean to cut you off. I don't cut yeah. you off. Is Texas covering? Oh, almost said that. Almost cussed just then. Yeah. Uh, golly. What I have 28 and a half. Is that what you have? It is. The over-under is 48 and a half. So what is the math there? They're saying y'all are they're gonna win like 35-7. Yeah. I will uh, tell you, I'm very tempted to say that they don't cover. Even though it's a comprehensive victory and it's never in doubt. Are you picking it? Wyoming covers. Hi. Or you want you want to hear me, me first? You make no, me go I'll first. Pick, no, I will first. I'll pick Wyoming to cover the game. Texas to win comfortably. It's never in doubt. But I think they just go out and handle their business. Uh, 
it's a good performance. Nothing that we're frustrated about, but uh, te- Texas covers. They're going to send a message to Texas Tech that they uh, picked the wrong bear to poke. I um, I think everything Texas does this year will be a shot at Joey McGuire, and I think they will absolutely roll. Wyoming. Real quick before we get off, before we get out of here, are you out completely on Texas Tech? Um, no, they're going to be like they always are. They're, no, yeah. they'll win some games. Yeah, they'll win some games, but they're not competing I'll, for a Big Twelve championship. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I, I watched. I went back and watched some of that uh, Oregon game, and Oregon's a really good football team. And they're really well coached. I think Dan Lanning is doing a really good job out there. But I still think, and I I can't stand Joey McGuire now, but I still think I still think that's a good football team. No, they've done great recruiting. They've got athletes all over the field. Um, but they're still tech. I mean, dude, at the end of the day, you are what you are, right? It's your nature. And their nature is their Texas Tech. So well, they'll have nine games. They'll go six and three, maybe, maybe. But I could see them going, I could see them going as low as five and four, you know. They go. Yeah. They play you guys. They could lose to Baylor. They could lose to Kansas State. Uh, they could lose to TCU. They could lose to Cincinnati. UCF. That would be a team that they could lose to is UCF. We forget about them. So there's just plenty of games. I haven't. I don't have their schedule in front of me, so don't come after me if they don't play two of those teams. But you get what I'm getting at. They're yeah. Texas Tech. So for them to go six or three or five and four in conference is is more than likely. Uh, I mean, you, you don't think they're going to get seven and two in conference, do you? I don't think so. It's going to be tough, but I mean, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing if they ended up with the conference regular. Like it that. sounds like you still are in love with Joey McGuire. That's what it sounds. He's a like. good coach, but, but yeah, I don't want to say anything bad on the air. So uh, I said plenty bad early on at the beginning of the episode. Hey guys, we appreciate you listening. Uh, make sure you tune in uh, Sunday to hear our recaps. Kevin, have a great night. Boomer, hook him. <laughs>